You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today, I'm going to show you why you need to turn off ESPN and Fox Sports in all of these corporate media shows because they cannot discuss things honestly. We can, we will discuss what happened to DeMar Hamlin and the NFL last night in a way no other corporate media outlet can. Enjoy, take note, tell your friends to join the fearless army. Happy New Year and welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, is today Tuesday? Yes, today is Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you and yours. Happy day after Monday. It is January the 3rd of 2023. And man, am I back. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad that the holiday break is over. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to discussing sports, culture, politics, movies, TV shows. Let's get back to being fearless. I had a completely different show planned for you upon my return, but last night's events during that Monday night football game uh, blew up those plans and changed today's show. But I'm so glad, as I said in the tease, that we're here to discuss it. TJ Moe will join me. Coach Jason Brown will join me. Steve Kim will join me. We're going to talk about what went on last night on Monday Night Football with DeMar Hamlin, how the media handled it, how social media handled it, how Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, how uh, Stephen A. Smith handled it. And I'm going to use this next two hours, and we will be here today for two hours, to try to paint a picture for you on why you need to kick your corporate media habit. They cannot be honest, we can. So let's start the new year off with a fire starter. Let's get this rip roaring and going. And then TJ Moe will join me and help me fan these flames. So include football in your prayers for DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player who collapsed from a heart attack last night during Monday Night Football. <clears throat> Everyone desperately wants the 24-year-old safety to recover. The same is not true for the sport that enriches him and countless other young men. The woke have programmed us to hate football, to see it as a source of toxic masculinity, unnecessary health risks, and a relic of a dying patriarchy. Football has been demonized. We watch it while holding our breath, believing that every hit leads to life-altering head trauma. The 2022 season could very well be remembered as the year the NFL died in Cincinnati. The Queen City is where Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungwaiola crumpled, fingers contorted, and lost consciousness after a routine sack during a Thursday night football game. 
three months later, another seemingly routine hit precipitated Hamlin's collapse, loss of consciousness, and rush to a local hospital. The NFL delights in its ability to attract massive audiences to its standalone games. The league's pervasiveness and overexposure work against it when dramatic injuries occur. Games intended to entertain and distract turn into somber visitations and funerals. Broadcasters inadvertently transform into mourners, eulogists, and priests. Corporate media's addiction to Twitter compels a competition of last rites and emotion. The enemies of football are the real winners. The feminists and leftists pushing the anti-football propaganda campaign have even seduced the sports participants. Inside an American culture that rewards victimhood, current and former NFL players cast themselves as martyrs of a game that makes them millionaires. In reaction to Hamlin's on-field tragedy, former Pittsburgh Steeler turned ESPN broadcaster Ryan Clark proclaimed that Hamlin's cardiac arrest was a byproduct of football. Watch for yourself. And so many times in this game, and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much, we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever, that side of football that no one ever wants to see mm -hmm. or never wants to admit exists. I, I get that Ryan Clark is reacting in the moment just hours after uh, Darmer, Darmer Hamlin is taken to a hospital in Cincinnati. He's in critical condition. I get it. But Scott Van Pelt, someone at ESPN, someone needs to force some reality on Ryan Clark. They shouldn't just let these football players emote on air. I played football all the way through college. I have many close friends who had long careers in the NFL. I've never heard anyone say they're ready to die for football. No one that I know looks at football as a life and death situation. Injuries are always a possibility. No one thinks of death. In 1971, Chuck Hughes, a 28-year-old Detroit Lions receiver, died during a game. It was later revealed he suffered blood clots. Hughes is the only NFL player to die during, the, during a game. The only NFL player to die during a game. It happened 50 years ago. I was unaware of Hughes' death until last night. There was no 24-hour sports news network in 1971. Monday Night Football was just a year old. As a news story, Hughes' death wasn't treated as a national tragedy. It was something bad that happened. Bad things happen in all activities. In 1990, college basketball star Hank Gathers collapsed and died while playing hoops. In 1993, Boston Celtics forward Reggie Lewis collapsed and died during a practice. In 1920, Yankees pitcher st struck the head of Cleveland's Ray Chapman with a pitch. Chapman died 12 hours later. I was at the race in 2001 when Dale Earnhardt slammed the wall and died. 
I knew the boxer Randy Carver. I was at the fight that killed him and visited his family at the hospital the day he was pronounced dead in 1999. My point is that football is not unique. Men and women take risks playing sports, riding the subway, swimming in a pool or the ocean. There's no reason to blame football for what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Like Hughes, Hamlin could very well have a pre-existing condition that contributed to his cardiac arrest. But it's nearly impossible to have measured, nuanced conversations in the media today. Everything said on ESPN and Fox Sports is crafted in a way to please Twitter. It's all performative emotion and outrage. It's all dishonest and inauthentic. Ryan Clark continued his performance and analogized Hamlin's heart attack to his own 2007 medical event while playing against the Denver Broncos. Clark has sickle cell trait. Playing at Mile High Stadium at high altitude compromised blood flow to Clark's spleen. He was rushed to the hospital and was never allowed to play at Denver again. Let's listen to Ryan Clark. I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was gonna make it, and now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player, <laughs> or we're, we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play, and we're saying he's worthless, and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream. And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Police officers put their lives on the line. So do members of the military. Football players play a game. Boxers and mixed martial artists take more risks than football players. What's going on with football reminds me of the left's demonization of boxing. Boxing used to be the king of all American sports, the pop culture symbol of male masculinity. Eventually, the very people who benefited from the popularity of boxing turned against the sport. 11 months after Muhammad Ali's last fight, legendary broadcaster Howard Cosell quit the sport of boxing. He said this after watching Larry Holmes batter Randall Tex Cobb for 15 rounds. Cosell trashed the fight throughout the broadcast. He later told the New York Times, I now favor the abolition of professional boxing. He milked the sport for fortune and fame and then took a dump on it. ESPN and its battalion of ex-jocks and ex-journalists are doing the exact same thing to football. Let's ask God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit to intervene on behalf of DeMar Hamlin. He's in critical condition. Do the same for football. Its public perception is on life support too. That's my fire. I want to bring in uh, our main man, T.J. Moe, from the Show Me State. T.J., of course, played football at Mizzou, uh, had short stints with the New England Patriots and the St. Louis Rams. T.J., uh, I, I think I, I, there's many places 
I, I want to start, but just as a former football player and watching that last night and watching ESPN basically host a, after the guy was hurt, they were on air for about another 90 minutes, and it felt like a funeral to me. It felt like they were giving last rites for the NFL and for football. I don't think they knew they were doing this, but I, I think this DeMar Hamlin thing continues to spell doom for football and its place in American pop culture. Yeah, it's interesting that the people who are placed at the front of the line to speak about all of these things are the ones who seem least qualified to do so because they're the most emotional. You can't, the people who are the most emotional cannot be leading the conversation because you can never have a proper conversation. And everybody wants to be sensitive after a moment like that, which is totally understandable. But you have a guy like Booger McFarland sitting there who's visibly annoyed that you keep asking him to talk over and over again. Adam Schefter had no idea what to say. Joe Buck kept saying, all right, let's kick it back to Susie because he didn't know what to say. Troy Aikman didn't say a word during the entire broadcast as soon as the ambulance left the field. They put these guys in a really bad position. So the guys who then are put in the proper position, who are supposed to be in the studio, journalists, um, not doing a great job. A lot of people like Scott Van Pelt. Um, I, I don't have an opinion either way. Honestly, I don't listen to him. I think he maneuvered through the conversation okay, but you put a bunch of emotional people on camera and then applauded them for being emotional. That's what happened with Ryan Clark. I mean, the, the idea that you would come on and blame football for an injury that would have this exact thing would have happened if you were wrestling with his brother in his front yard. It, it was the most non contact, non-football related injury I've ever seen on the field. I mean, it, it, this is unfortunately a him problem, not a football problem. And, and look, I, I was sp speaking to you last night. I think they should have stopped the game. I think the entire team and all of us should have gone into prayer at that moment to intercede. I'm all for that, but it's a tragedy. It's not a football problem. And you got guys like Dominic Foxworth, you got guys like Ryan Clark who are standing up there and pounding their fists that don't you dare ever get angry at a football player again, because look, we're risking our lives, risking your life to entertain people who pay you millions of dollars. You are some of the most handsomely paid people in the history of the planet. It's not like you're out fighting for America. Right. This is a job you chose to do. By the way, if you if you go look at the top 10 most dangerous jobs, uh, none of them are sports. OK, you get, look at uh, OSHA. Logging is one of the top people who cut down trees that it's like 50 something of them per 100,000 die. Right. Um, if you go down the list of those type of jobs, farmers, these are far more dangerous jobs. And look, I. All of this I'm saying only in response to Ryan Clark because I feel terrible for this guy. It's like I hate that these guys put us in a position that we have to bring some sense into the conversation when a guy is in a hospital bed in critical condition. But they force us to do this because what they would like to do is say, if you don't pay us a billion dollars a year, then you guys are all evil and you don't deserve to be speaking or celebrating football in any degree. I did not plan to discuss this, but but I but I am, and you're the perfect person for me to discuss this with. Uh, we don't have a matching lower third for this, but I, I just want to go there for a minute. In terms of last night, all over Twitter, everybody's 
pray for Ryan, uh, pray, pray, pray for DeMar Hamlin, pray, pray. I saw it everywhere. Pray, 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 pray. And I'm, I'm like, this is the most secular place on the planet, Twitter. It is <laughs> hostile to religious faith and Christian faith. And I'm looking at people that never mention God. Yeah. All now start, pray, 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 pray. And they mock when a tragedy strikes and people that do occasionally mention God say, you know, pray, blah, blah. That's all mocked. If there's a shooting right. and, and someone like me says pray, we're all mocked for that. But now the secular crowd is all throwing out this pray, pray, pray. And, and, and I'm, I'm legitimately asking, like, who do they want us to pray to? Who, who, who are they calling for us to pray to? And that's why I ended my fire started, my, my column, my motto with, no, I want you to pray to God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. I want to be specific about this. And I, I was sitting there looking at everybody, pray, 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 pray. And I wonder how many of them actually did pray. And I'm talking about many of the athletes. And, and I could yeah. start calling them out by name, but the, certainly the blue checks and just every, the, all the ordinary people that I never see talk about God. Never do they give a specific pray. pray. To who? To, to <laughs> the, the fairy godmother, Santa Claus? Who? Mm. They just pray. They just throwing it out there. It, that annoyed me. I agree with that. I think it goes to what I was saying a little bit earlier, and that is that people want to be as sensitive as humanly possible, right? And so they say thoughts and prayers. And then, of course, you get the other group that thoughts and prayers aren't enough. That's what happens during the gun control bait, debates. But here they just say, look, praying for you, can't wait. Everybody, people that I know for a fact are atheists, went on television last night and said, praying for them. Okay, it's, okay. so we, we get that. I don't know who you're praying to. Some people just say, you know, is it, uh, I said last night when I was on uh, Fox, there's no such thing as an atheist in the foxhole. When bullets are going over your head and you don't know what else to do, you're praying to somebody or something, hoping that someone's listening and it makes a difference. So I, I get that. Uh, my issue with these people, and, and this is a human thing, this is biblical. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Jesus told his disciples, hey, pray for a while. My time is coming. I'm going to go pray on my own. And the disciples are there twice, maybe three times. He came back and they were all asleep. We don't do very well praying on our own. We can't keep our attention very well. Even the people that are following Jesus himself disappointed him in their prayer lives. So let's even let's take them at their word that they were praying. It took them all of 15 seconds to find a Skip Bayless tweet to light him on fire. So it went from this really, hey, Twitter's a cesspool, but we can take 10 minutes during a tragedy and pray for somebody. Hey, let's take a few hours if possible. But instead, they're like, Skip Bayless said something clunky. I don't even think there was anything wrong with the tweet. I think it was it was should have been more well thought out about how he worded it. The end where he says, which suddenly seems so irrelevant to me, seemed like he was saying that those are his words, not the words of other people. And he just got crushed. Uh, you could see if that's the most updated on the screen right now. 124 million people viewed this tweet. People are just crushing him because thoughts and prayers now seem far less important than correcting someone who sent out a clunky tweet about the situation. It's ridiculous. Let me let me read the tweet to enter it into the record. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? 
This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome. Dot, 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 which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And so the it's at 130 million uh, views, by the way, at this point, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But there are tweets he has before that that are harmless, as is this tweet is harmless because he's mm-hmm. he's saying at the end, he's covered like, look, man, this is all unimportant now with this kid in the hospital. But uh, you're right. Twitter for the moment. Hey, let's pray. And then but now let's get back to what we really do on Twitter. Let's assassinate each other's character. Let's go after people we don't like. Let's over, let's exaggerate offense. Let's continue the performance and, and skip continue the performance and I'm gonna get into it with Steve Kim a little later (laughs) because me and him talk about the media all the time but Shannon Sharp refused to go on the show with Skip Bayless today over this tweet this everybody's using DeMar Hamlin for their agenda I want to switch back to what we plan to talk about and and I I, want to mention that Tua Tung Viola and what happened to him at Cincinnati in September, his head injury, that game was on Thursday night football. And that was until this was probably the most memorable event of the 2022 season. Tua's head injury on Thursday night football. He got hurt uh, four, four or five days before on Sunday. He comes back and plays. And now here we are three months later in Cincinnati. DeMar Hamlin has cardiac arrest. That Thursday night game was somber and sad as people worried about uh, Mm -hmm. Tua. Last night's game, obviously somber, sad. I, I think those two events have overshadowed and framed the 2022 season and the NFL as as highly, highly dangerous. And I agree with that. Um, And also, I think potentially, we'll see, potentially for no reason. Because Tua Tagovailoa came back and played. He's back on the field. If you would not have lost your mind that night over what happened and that something happened just four or five days earlier, and oh my gosh, the NFL is just looking. It's really just a league of murderers trying to kill all of their players. That was the coverage for the next two weeks, and then he was right back on the field like nothing ever happened. This has nothing to do with football. This is this is what makes me so mad about um, Dominic Foxworth and Ryan Clark because they're making it about football, and they're pretending. Uh, walk you through this. They're pretending they're doing this so that they can make football safer, so that football will be a better sport and mothers of young kids will allow their kids to play and it will continue to flourish. But by taking football and blaming it for something it did not do, what you're doing is scaring mothers away from allowing their children to play in the future unnecessarily, right? It's one thing if you saw yesterday a guy that came over the middle, took a John Lynch old school hit and broke somebody's neck. That's a different story. We are like, that's actually a football play. That's a real life football play. The guy broke his neck and we should evaluate that. Last night, a guy got, I, I, it was probably one of the most, uh, the least impactful hits this guy's had in his career. Truly. I mean, he sort of 
absorbed the guy going backwards and they fell down together. And you're blaming that on football. So you're not doing football any services. What you're doing is you're taking football, you're taking a tragedy, and you're trying to extort the, the NFL from the emotions now of everybody going on and saying, you need to make us the most highly paid people in the history of the world, which we already are. We should all be billionaires. He kept talking, Dominic Foxworth kept saying, you know, Robert Kraft, when he I'm walks I'm going to play in, the clip. I'm going to play the clip here in a second. Keep going. I'm going to play the uh, clip. Yeah. So it's like they, they, their risk is limited. Our risk is unlimited. So our reward should be unlimited. It's like, that's not how economics works. It's like, how many of you guys did well enough in your degree to go get a job? Because these loggers that I'm talking about that have the, the highest fatality rate for their job in the United States, the median income is $40,000. So I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure these out. They're not doing football any services. What they're doing, this is extortion. I want to play the Dominique Foxworth clip and back up what you're saying. Let, let's, let's, I think this is about a two-minute clip. Let's play this, and, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Looking at social media, everyone's mad at Roger Goodell for not acting fast enough. You're mad at football. You're mad at this. You're mad at all because you don't know what to do with that emotion, and I understand people process differently, but watching everyone else get angry made me angry, frankly. Because, and this is where my union background, I think, ties in some, mm. is y'all don't give a damn about us for real. <laughs> you know, and that's what, like, really pisses me off is everyone's up in arms and everyone's, like, grandstanding to a degree about how much you care about these players and how much you are praying for them. But football's not going to go away, nor do I want it to go away. It's far too lucrative and people love it too much, including the players. But what I would hope is that away from moments like this, you remember that these things can happen. So again, as a former union president, when we are fighting in the CBA to, uh, for uh, financial opportunities or for health and safety considerations, don't call us greedy. <laughs> like just, just, and so there is no cap. As we have learned, there is no cap to the amount of risk that the players are taking. There is no cap to that. And I know money's not all that important, but let's be honest, that's, that is America's love language, is financial. But there is a salary cap on the amount of players. And so there's a cap to the amount of risk. And I don't mean any disrespect to Robert Kraft or, or um, Jerry Jones or Shad Khan or Clark Hunt or any of the owners of teams. Like, they deserve to make a ton of money. Cool, knock yourself out but there's a cap to the amount of risk that they are taking when they show up to the games on Sunday. The worst thing that can happen to them is they're going to lose a football game. There is no cap to the amount of risk that the players are taking to entertain us and to make a lot of money. So like I understand that maybe it makes people uncomfortable for me to be talking about salary caps this morning, but I always go back to that because not every, the small percentage of the players who play professional football make an amount of money that is life-changing. They all deserve it. So <clears throat> these comments are stupid and outrageous, clearly uninformed. They're worthy of rebuke instantaneously 
right there from Mike Greenberg or anybody sitting at that desk with a brain that actually understands sports. This is my problem with ESPN. It's not smart enough. It doesn't understand the sports world. It can't, it's not nimble. It can't think on its feet. It can't put these athletes, these emotional athletes with their agendas, it can't put them in their proper perspective. It's like Dominique Foxworth is the authority and there's no one sitting at that desk smart enough to say, hey Dominique, there's no cap on these 18, 19, 20 year old men and women to join the military and risk their lives defending this country. There's a cap on how much money they can make. And it's around $60,000, $70,000 a year. You guys are earning millions. You're taking far less risk than them. You're not even valuable in a real way to this country. You entertain us playing a game. Police officers, there's no limit. There's no cap on the risk that they take. Many of them make between seventy dollars and $100,000 a year, not millions of dollars like athletes. This is a joke, man. Get some reality about you. Get some pers life perspective. You're lucky enough and born with enough talent to play in the NFL and earn a bunch of money. Don't try to sit there and pretend like you're some of the most heroic, exploited people in the world and no one loves you and cares about you. We got people spitting on police officers. We got people running military people, Navy SEALs out of the military because they don't want to take a vaccine. You want to talk about people getting mistreated and abused and taken for granted and not properly respected. It's not professional football players. It's not professional athletes. We put them on a pedestal. We treat them like kings and queens from nearly birth, from childhood before they ever make it to the pros. And this guy's, someone needed to push back, which it's fine for him to have that opinion. But to have ESPN, the alleged worldwide leader in sports, the largest platform in sports, allow this type of idiocy to be stated unchecked is just wrong. And for people to walk away from that comment, yeah, he made a good point. Yeah, these NFL owners, they need to pay these guys more money. This is just wrong and stupid and, and it's disappointing. Nearly every time I turn on ESPN, I just see people abusing the sport and abusing the audience, abusing America, uh, and, and looking for their inner victimhood. Everybody's a victim. Now, Dominique Foxworth is a victim. And then at the end of the day, it all, they, he doesn't care about DeMar Hamlin, he cares about money. That's exactly the point. And one thing I would like to, to take a, he said, these fans don't care anything about us. Well, they care to the tune of $4.3 million, and they're not making nearly the salary that these NFL guys are, but that's how much they've raised to his charity in about 15 hours, and that's just the people who know about it. So the fans care something about it. And, and secondarily, your, your, your final Clarify point, Clarify that, TJ. That's new information, or let me clarify. Yeah. Uh, DeMar Hamlin had started a, a drive for kids, toys for kids, I think before last night's incident, I think his goal was $2,500 uh, yep. he was trying to raise, and now it's over $4 million. Fans instantaneously reaching out to support his toy drive for kids. All right, go ahead, continue. 
$4.315 million and 158,000, almost 159,000 people have donated to this thing. And that's just the people that know about it, right? It's like that, that tells you that these people do care. And this money's not even going to him. It's just the only thing that they know that they can do to help. People want to do something. They're not donating to him. So that that's, of course, my first issue when when people start mouthing off like that. But but secondarily, your last point, I think, is excellent. Um, instead of saying we care about the safety of these players, that is first and foremost. And that's my big problem. So we need to fix that. We need to address it. There's no amount of money that can replace our health issues, right? Herm Edwards went on this morning, was talking all about his health issues. And he's like, you just don't know when you're young. You're like, it'll, it'll all be, I'll deal with that later. And he's like, I deal with it every morning when I get out of bed. And I'm like, hey, man, you signed up for that. You think you're the first person to roll out of bed with some arthritis? All of you, these, these are supposed to be old school guys telling us this is what it's like. And Deal with it or don't deal with it. But I don't want to hear you complain about it. And these guys get on TV and instead of saying, all right, let's fix it, which I, I don't think you can fix last night, but at least pretend they're saying the only way to fix this is to give us more money. It's like, well, do you care about safety or money? Which is it? Because you're saying the answer to this unsafe game, quote unquote, because it is not is to give you more money so that you can be dead, a billionaire? What good is that, if that's actually your position? And it's not really their position. That's why I say it's extortion. These guys, they're, they're all in on the, you've, you've said this now in the past. Um, once these guys get out, every last one of it's every man for themselves. They pretend it's a brotherhood and they get on TV and they cry about it, but they're trying to get as rich as they can. And they want former player benefits. They don't care about current player benefits. They want to use the cl the current players to get former player benefits. So they get all their healthcare paid for and they get more money and they get more lawsuits. It's all about them. It's not about the guys on the field. TJ, uh, thank you so much. Uh, great job as always. Gonna let you go. I want to bring in Coach uh, Jason Brown. No, no, go back. I, I do want to go through this graphic. We put together a graphic of all the different sports tragedies. Just now, I don't want to do it with TJ. Just me. Uh, we put together this list of tragedies of, of former athletes. Just th this whole thing of trying to reduce it to football. And 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 the point that I made in my mono about like hey look any activity you going swimming in a pool or an ocean you getting in your car to drive somewhere any activity there's inherent risk in it and that's certainly true in sports and so you know i mentioned some of these guys but i just want you know ray chapman 1920 hitting the head uh i think of the guys carl mays was i think was the pitcher for the yankees hit him in the head the guy dies 12 hours later D dale earnhardt uh, Dale Earnhardt, I was there at the race in 2001 at the Daytona 500. Saw that with my own eyes, was there, wrote about it, covered it. Hank Gathers, college basketball player, Loyola Marymount. Chuck Hughes, uh, mentioned him earlier, football wide receiver for the uh, Detroit Lions. Duck Koo Kim, boxer, dies in the ring, uh, ring or was found to have uh, subdural hem hematoma, he died. Five days later after a fight, Reggie Lewis, uh, during an off-season practice, he died of sudden cardiac death. Pistol Pete Maravich, playing career was over, but at age 40, playing a pickup basketball game, heart attack died. Bill Masterson died two days after suffering massive head injuries from a check in an NHL game. 
Corey Stringer, football player, Minnesota Viking, died of complications of heat stroke during training camp. It, it's, it, we haven't even mentioned the soccer players. We haven't mentioned the, all the different college athletes that working out or whatever. Look, man, there's risk in life. The, the demonization of football and the singling out of football, it's just inappropriate. It, it's just, in a, and it's completely out of context and unfair. This has been going on. I say it all the time on this show, miss me with all the concussions, CTE, it can only be diagnosed in death. It's all a scam and a game. There's a clear agenda riddled attack on football. It's a symbol of male masculinity. They want to remove all the resistance from life. Again, there's just no resistance on anything. We have to diminish risk and resistance. And risk and resistance are what have made men, women, and America strong. They're trying to eliminate it. That's why athletes can go on TV and say whatever they want and no one there thinks to challenge them. Mike Greenberg, none of the other athletes, it's all a little game, they're the authority, they're the smartest guys in the room. Half these guys wouldn't even have graduated high school if not for athletics. And, and me, I'm not just pointing a finger at them. If it wasn't for sports, I'd just be a big dumb idiot, uneducated. Sports is the reason why I went to school and paid any attention at all. Thank God I wasn't super duper talented because I wouldn't have paid any attention at all and everybody would have overlooked it. These guys ain't that bright. Even the ones that talk halfway decent English. They've been spoiled and pampered their whole life. I don't hate them. I used to be one of them. Most of my friends used to be one of them. I love football players and athletes, but they're delusional because the money has made them, the, the fame and the money have made them delusional. They think they're the smartest guys in the room. They're not. And then you mix them with the leftists who have taken over ESPN and you have constant dumb conversations from people who may have played, but don't really love sports, don't really understand it. They just played the game because they were born with an incredible talent and they knew they could make money with it. But they don't understand it, they don't love it. And that's why they're so quick to take a dump on it. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're gonna be joined by Jason Brown. We'll get the coach's take. Jason Brown, last chance you, coach, join us Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Welcome back. Let's roll out to Los Angeles. Bring in Coach Jason Brown from Last Chance U. I like to call him Last Chance Q. JB, I'm not going to start with a specific question. I just want you to give your general thoughts and reaction to what you saw last night on Monday Night Football. 
Uh, a freak accident. Um, a freak accident that happens every day in life. We just happen to witness it uh, live and, and on TV. That's that's what my initial reaction is. That's what I said. I was actually doing a little live show last night while it happened, and it's unfortunate. Um, I've had players that have, that have either played with me or for me that I've seen similar things happen. Um, my mom's a doctor. I got to see she she thinks it's what's called SADS um, syndrome or disease where, uh, you go into a little bit of a cardiac arrest, you lose, you lose, uh, blood and, uh, throughout your body. That's why he stood up and acted the way he did for about five seconds before his, uh, you know, before the reaction hit. So there's a lot of things that we don't know though. Nobody knows, but you know, uh, I err on the side of caution and, uh, it's unfortunate that it happened. This is what happens, though. Uh, this is real life, and and unfortunately, not to say this guy is 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 going to make it or not make it, but death is part of life, and uh, we see this every day in this uh, in the world we live in, man. And and it's just crazy to see a lot of the comments that you see from certain people um, about certain things, and it just kind of shows you how toxic uh, social media really is, and how. Uh, how soft we are as a society. And, uh, and, 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 and before you move on, let me just say, this is, this is not good for the sport or sports plural in general. Um, there's no good coming out of this for one simple reason. We are in a fragile state in America and we are so quick to cancel. We are so quick to pull a kid out of playing a sport um, because we don't really know or uh, do investigation, do, turn over rocks and understand really the full totality, what it really entails to become an athlete or a student athlete. And now I'm going to, I'm just scared. We're going to see thousands of kids being pulled from playing football today. If we haven't already um, 600,000 kids were playing high school football, Jason, just five years ago, 300,000 are playing now in America. So we are we are at a critical mass. We have a very very serious participation rate in playing football in eleven man football. There's sixty seven hundred high schools in America that play high school football, and um, sixty seven hundred. If you just do it times fifty, this just roundabout way, you're roughly at around three hundred seventy four hundred thousand people, I guess. That's not including the eight-man leagues and the other leagues or JV or freshmen. We're just talking varsity, 11-man playing football in high school. Uh, we're at a critical mass. We're, we're losing participation across America every day, and, and uh, I'm scared that we're going to only continue to go that way, especially after seeing what we saw last night. I'm, I'm, I'm double-checking because I, I thought it was more than that. I do know that... Every year, it's less and less players playing high school football, uh, and and this will have an impact. And you went right where I wanted to go. Do you think it's fair to blame football for what happened to Demar Hamlin last night? No, I I I, I, did, I went off this morning. I had a pretty big show this morning. I watched Ryan Clark last night, which I, I can't stand the dude. I watched him last night. And he's using these words as he's crying on TV, which 
It's just so staged. He's using words that are just blowing my mind. Just come out and be genuine, man. Like, you're on a big platform. Come out and be genuine. You played the sport at a very high level. You were a very good player. You were a hard-hitting safety that came downhill, so you know you put your body at risk. You got injured before. And you should have just came out and been genuine and said, listen, these things happen. But, But to say that it's not fair, to say that, this does not need to be happening. This kid does not deserve it, but quotes, this is what he used, words he used, deserving. Well, I can say you don't deserve the job at ESPN that you hold. I can say that these seven-year-olds getting killed every day by drive-by shootings don't deserve it either. But guess what? I don't see anybody doing anything proactively. I think everything is reactionary. We always want to react and do the rip, retweet, I oh my gosh I can't believe it um, after the fact well this is a thing that you can't be proactive about and you can't react to it all you have to do is allow it to happen this is what happens in life this is this is part of life we see it every day my 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 buddy walking his dog getting shot on the street doesn't deserve it either but it happened. And I just don't understand the word deserving being used, thrown around in this situation. We don't deserve a lot of stuff, man, but it is life. And we got to keep moving on. Look, I'm critical of Ryan Clark, clearly. I want to defend him and everybody on ESPN last night to some degree. This is a byproduct of social media. They're so concerned with getting ripped over social media that they feel like, well, the only thing I can do that's safe is emote and have a a competition. Who can be sadder on ESPN? And that's all we saw last night was a competition of, I'm gonna be more somber than the next person. And, And if I'm just somber, I'll be safe because if you start any type of real discussion, if you, if you don't, if you at, if you are a human being capable of more than one thought at a time, because all human beings are, we can think, man, I feel sorry for uh, Dharma Hamlin, Damar Hamlin. We can also think, hey, I wonder if they should play this game or not. Hey, I wonder if, uh, you know, if they don't finish this game, should they just cancel it? Hey, this game is really important. But I'll, and so Skip Bayless puts out a tweet where he's like, hey, this game's important. What are they going to do? And then he ends up like, this is all irrelevant because this kid's in the hospital. Base. And we're trying to cancel Skip Bayless because, again, Twitter requires that. You're only allowed one thought. And so all of America was supposed to just sit around and say, Oh, I feel sorry for DeMar Hamlin. I feel sorry for DeMar Hamlin. You're not allowed to think any of these other things, and you're not allowed to have a real conversation. So I saw people struggling, like, uh, if I say what I really think, I could get ripped over social media. They could come after me the way they've gone after Skip Base, and it may cost me my job that's paying me a lot of money. So just let me come on here and cry and say emotional things that will be pleasing. Oh, football's a very dangerous game. This is the dark side of football. Uh, man, kids are getting hit and with baseballs in the chest and dying. It's happening field hockey. 
it, soccer. It's, we've seen Hank Gathers. It, it, soccer. Everywhere. Yeah, but, but social media doesn't allow us to have a real conversation. And, and so I, I feel sorry to them to that degree, but they just got to do better than, oh, this is the ugly side of football. It happens once every 50 years. 50 years ago, a guy died of a blood clot during a football game. And, and, and now, yeah, 1971 with Chuck Hughes. And now uh, this guy has collapsed. Uh, DeMar Hamlin has collapsed. He's in critical condition. I hope he makes it. We all do. But, but, but let's don't act like, yeah, you know, guys are dying on football fields. It's like Beirut out there. That's a joke. Let me ask you this. Um, so what about all this? See, you're only canceled if you got the blue check mark. Myself, you, Skip Bayless. All the people that have no 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 blue check mark and are, are are basically people that follow the people with blue check marks. They can say whatever they want. So what about all these guys who had money on the game, and you see the blatant disrespect about the human element, and just say, "What happens to my money that I put on DraftKings? Do I get it back? What about the guys that paid to watch the game? Do they get their money back?" But nobody's canceling them, right? We're only canceling. Yourself, myself, Skip Bayless. So my show brought up the Skip Bayless thing, and they let, and I go, I don't even know what he said. I didn't look at him. I don't follow him. So I go and look what he said, and I look at it, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I read it out loud seven times on my show, and I'm like, what is the big deal here? Am I missing something? So I guess the big deal is, Jason, we are at a fragile state and a critical era in our gener- of our generations at a critical er- in a critical era and this era is so soft and quick to cancel somebody because of the insensitivity is what they're going to say because he came out and basically just said this is a critical game but this kid's health is first i didn't see any issue with what he said and then at the very end is where everyone's going to say you're insensitive and then i start seeing all these people like des bryant we need to cancel him ASAP. And I'm sitting there like, didn't you hit a woman? You have the audacity to come out and cancel somebody. See, if I did something criminal or if I did something that is just a flat out embarrassment to my own mother, I would stay away and shut the hell up. I would go away quietly. But see, the audacity of social media allows you to do things because you never have to look at another human in the eye. You get to tweet it out on a keyboard. And these guys that want to cancel people after they've been absolute criminal with behavior in their lives blows my mind. And I I just, I don't, I cannot fathom it. And last time I checked, Jason, I'm just curious. Isn't there an amendment for freedom of speech? Because I just don't get that we can't say anything. Um, only certain people can say certain things, and it just blows my mind. Uh, I can't get over this fact that there's certain people out here trying to can- – are we canceling Dana White today? Because he hit his wife. Well, his wife yeah. on TV, man. Yeah, like, after. Bam. Like, is he canceled or is he going to be on a, big, a, big, a major show today? Because I'm curious. Like, come on, man. Like, you're the epitome of a scumbag if you hit a woman. 
I'm just period. I don't care if she hits you 27 times. You are comfortable, Jason, doing things you're comfortable doing. He's clearly comfortable hitting a woman because he did it last night. I lost all respect for the dude. Not that I watch him or follow him anyway, but why aren't we canceling him? Skip Bayless is being canceled over a dude that hits a woman? Like, what? Man, I'm done with social media. I'm telling you, I can't wait to get off it. JB, I'm not prepared to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. I'm still marinating on how I'm going to handle uh, what went on with Dana White. So, you, But you, you always go off on tangents, so I was prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, as it relates to Skip Bayless, you, you're making excellent points, and I, I really like the, the Des Bryant point and, and, and just – the softness and the desire that somehow if we cancel Skip Bayless, life will be better in the sports world. I, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I, I don't I don't respect it. I get it. I don't respect it. This is what social media has required of us. It's so perverted. All conversation. We can't we can't move forward. We can't fix real problems. We can't address real issues because social media has us by the balls and has us by our tongues and throats. And it's all we can think to do is, how can I go out and be mean to someone else and distort what someone else has said and use it to build myself up? It's embarrassing, but that's where we are. Yeah, the other point that- Why didn't he show oh, up? He, because he's trying to embarrass Skip Bayless. Oh There's no God. question about it. He's he's trying to embarrass Skip Bayless. He wants to force Skip Bayless out. Envy is a terrible emotion, and Shannon Sharp has it. It's it's he's been feuding with with uh, Skip for a long time, and and this he feels like this is a moment where he can get some get back, and so you know. He's I mean, making like, himself a part of the like story. DeMar. These guys like all want to talk about, let's focus on DeMar Hamlin, but if I can make myself a part of the story, let's do that too. But this is the state of, that's why we're so fragile, Jason. This is the state right now. Of, this is the critical mass of this country. We can, we can just not show up for our job that we make a lot of money at. And I wish the, the frontline workers could just say, screw you. I'm not showing up today because my boss yelled at me today and I'm just not going to show up. I, I bet you money if the Walmart worker don't show up, he's fired. But guess what? This is the era we're in, Jason. Derek Carr didn't show up to work either. And he makes $150 million and he said, screw it. I ain't showing up. That's how soft we are now. And we accept it. We allow it. And... It is, we are at a critical, I'm telling you, this is the worst I've ever seen it. And we allow it instead let me, of coach. Let me ask you this, JB. I make a point today that football is suffering from overexposure. And that, that's part of what's different about this era as opposed to when Chuck Hughes died as a Detroit Lion. It, it's like... You saw a highlight on your local newscast sports segment that, you know, that local newscast sports segment probably lasts four to seven minutes. They show you 30 seconds. Hey, by the way, Chuck Hughes, a Detroit Lions player, died on the field. And that's it in 1971. 
whereas now the NFL has standalone games Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday night, and that and a network and the whole nation focuses in on one game, and there's a 24-hour sports network, ESPN, there's a 24-hour sports network, Fox Sports, and they all feast and exploit on any of these individual incidents and blow them up. You would almost think the way the sports networks are covering this, and I, I'm not saying that it's not an important story because it is what happened with this, but but this is like John F. Kennedy got shot. That the, the entire ESPN's on a loop for the ever since this happened. Just Demar Hamlin, Demar Hamlin, Demar Hamlin, and every, no one has anything really interesting to say. Everybody's just coming on to talk about how sad they are, and and let me emote and show some emotion. And, and the NFL, I'm not, I, I, there's nothing they can do about it, but, but all, this massive audiences they draw with these standalone games put them in the crosshairs, and now the whole system has been rigged and geared toward the, the biggest story we can cover is a player getting injured or harmed in some way. And that's when, and so they're just all sitting around waiting in one of these standalone games or big national TV games. Everybody's just sitting there holding their breath. When someone gets hurt, let's overreact and let's blow it out of proportion and let's not. I could, I don't know if ESPN to this, to this moment right now as we record this and talk about this and air this, I don't know if they've even mentioned Chuck Hughes. Last night there was no perspective about any incidents involving any athletes in football or any other sports. They did nothing but everybody just come on air. Oh, thoughts and prayers for DeMar Hamlin. We must focus on DeMar Hamlin. They gave us nothing to think about, no perspective, so we could understand what's going on. NFL, its overexposure is hurting them in this instance. I, I believe because we've given the keys to the car, the car to these kids, we've made it a player-driven league instead of a coach-fan-based league. It is a player-driven league. They can demand trades at will. They can demand their salary. The marketplace has been set so high for mediocrity because mediocrity is the new excellence in this world we live in. And when you give these guys this big money, you have to get a return. So the return is to keep the fans engaged, to get fan bases to show up. So we have to overexpose the sport. And what you saw last night is the epitome of this. It happens every day, Jason. This happens every day. I know a buddy that was walking down the street. A car drove by and hit a spark plug on the ground. Just a spark plug that was littered on the floor on the street. It ricocheted and hit him straight in his chest and killed him. Nobody talked about it. My dad died in my arms in 05. Nobody gave me a GoFundMe. Nobody cares. But yet, this guy who has his own foundation has yet to make over $100,000 on it in three years. Makes He's already at $4 million in 14 hours since the incident. But yet, we're so reactionary in life now that nobody even knew this kid was. And now we're giving him $4 million to help this guy's fund. He may not ever see a dollar of this money, and he never, never even see where it goes, unfortunately. But we're so reactionary instead of proactive – we're reaction. Why? Why can't we do this proactively and 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 support this kid's uh, 
thing. Why are we now all of a sudden? Because you know why, Jason? We want to donate to the cause, screenshot it, and show Twitter that I gave him $20. And it is such a joke and a mockery of what we have become uh, and a slap in the face, to be honest, because these cats that are paying $20 are doing it for clickbait. They don't care what where it's going. And, and it's just unfortunate. It's the new man. Ukraine flag. It's the new Ukraine flag. <laughs> that, that's it, what it is. And, and get, God forbid you say something that's real and, and, and resonates with the common folk out here because, I, you know, nobody cared about my dad dying. You know where I was at the day my dad died? I was at practice as the offensive coordinator at East L.A. Community College. And you know why? Because I told those kids I would be their coordinator for that season and I wasn't going to miss a day. And just like I've never missed a day of practice or playing career or practice or coaching career, I've never I promise you that I was going to be there. And my dad would never have allowed me to not to be there. And he died April 18th, 05. I was at spring ball April 18th, 05, and a matter of a few hours later. And that's just what it is. You imagine that now happening? Hell no. These guys ain't going to go coach. They can't even show up to work on time. Derek Carr won't even go to work, and he makes $200 million. But guess what? This is a different world, man, and it's so enabling. We're so we, – we expect instant gratification for doing absolutely no work. And we cannot prove our worth anymore. We absolutely want instant gratification. And that is where we are now. And unfortunately, social media is a big blame on that. I do believe it. I think obesity has become a big blame on that. And I just believe that we can't put down our PlayStation sticks. We can't put down our phones long enough to understand what really is going on in the world. We want to see what's not really, what's not real. And that's social media because you believe everything you hear or see. And you refuse to listen and observe. Hearing and seeing is completely different than listening and observing and doing your own analytics on it and doing your own research and coming up with your own ideology and your own philosophy. Everybody is such a follower now. We're so we're such a follower. Guess what, coach? I got 200,000 followers now. And guess what? You have 32 followers. And you follow 200,000 people. What does that say about you? You're a follower. We have so many people that are following now. And we don't understand. And I believe social media is causing that. We have so many followers, not enough leaders. And guess what, Jason? Last time I checked, leaders create more leaders, not more followers. I want to last question. I want to end on this note. I think you can speak to it. This whole demonization of football, the group that's hurt the most are, is actually the black players. They're destroying a game that has been awesome to them, changed their lives. And when I, every time I hear Ryan Clark or any of these guys take a dump on football, and he doesn't even understand, understand how he's taking a dump and how he's participating in the demonization of a game that has served him and so many others well, I, I include myself. I would have never went to college without football. Never saw a college campus. And getting to a college campus changed my life, even though I never got a, a drop. Uh, never had a cup of coffee in the NFL. 
it's still just getting to a college campus changed my life. And I'm looking at people take a dump on football and participate in the destruction of football. And I'm like, man, do these guys know what they're doing? They don't realize that the investment they once had into understanding their forefathers and what this NFL brought to their forefathers and what it brought to them. So they, they don't understand that the Rod Woodson's of the world allowed Ryan Clark to exist. They don't understand that Ronnie Lott allowed you to make more money than they did. And now you're basically slapping it in the face, i.e. Kyler Murray, i.e. all these guys like Derek Carr who make all this amount of money and don't even don't even have the common courtesy to respect the game and the people that were before them. And now you take these subtle shots and jabs at different people um, because you have made it, so to speak. You have made it in the whatever uh, genre you're in and or what avenue you're taking. And he's made it because he's on ESPN. He's got a podcast now that he gets to promote on ESPN, which is great, right? That's just unbelievably uh, how ironic it works out that way. Um, I just don't see uh, how you can slap the sport that paved the way for your livelihood and your family's livelihood to uh, in the face like they do. I just don't understand how a lot of these people do it. And yet – we got all these guys are worried about betting and what money they lost last night over any type of injury that we saw live, but nobody cares about them. They care about Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp feud and how staged was that Skip Bayless uh, rebuttal to his tweet. I just saw that on Twitter. I'm like, what the hell is this? Why would you even apologize? <laughs> it's over. Don't apologize. <laughs> Don't apologize. What do you mean? Why are you apologizing? Uh, I, I just don't get it, Jason. It, we're in a fragile state, man. I'm telling you right now, we're in a very fragile state. And uh, I just want to make enough money to get off Twitter. <laughs> Thank you, JB. Great job as always. Talk to you Peace. next week. Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications. Subscribe. Show's going to get even better. Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Let's return to Los Angeles, bring in Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell. Cosell, a lot to get to, a lot to break down in this situation as it relates to DeMar Hamlin and Monday Night Football. Let's start here. DeMar Hamlin, Tua Tungviola. I think those two games in Cincinnati, one in late September, one uh, last night here in January, have pretty much defined, framed, and overshadowed the NFL season. 
you know, I don't want to be that cynical about it, but it'll certainly be a talking point for those that you have deemed anti-football, a, a certain faction that has an agenda to, if not at least soften the sport, maybe perhaps even begin the abolition of it, which I think is ridiculous. But look, there are, we have to uh, be honest about this. No matter what the optics are and no matter what side of the political uh, street you're on, what took place last night is not good for football at any level because there's already been a decline in participation going all the way to the youth leagues, certainly throughout high school, and which then is the talent pool for the upper levels of the sport. And you'd have to think, Jason, just being realistic, that if you are a parent who has options and you're, let's say you're a middle-class family with a white picket fence and you go to a nice suburban school, I, I'm getting the sense that a lot more parents, specifically the mothers, are going to say, you know what, Junior, you're playing soccer, you're playing lacrosse, you're playing baseball, basketball, football will not be for you. Because I, th I think we're already seeing evidence that that's taking place. Steve, I, I want to stay here. You brought up a boxing reference, and so I, I want to go to where I think I see similarities between the attack on football and yeah. the attack on boxing. Your background is clearly boxing. Howard Cosell, 1982, 11 months after uh, Muhammad Ali's last fight with Trevor Burbick. It's Muhammad Ali's last fight. 11 months later, Howard Cosell is watching Tex Cobb yep. and Larry Holmes fight, one-sided fight. Howard Cosell takes a dump on the fight, the entire fight, and then shortly after, interview first with Dave Kindred of the Washington Post, and then later with the New York Times. He's, I'm done with boxing. I'm not going to broadcast it anymore. Uh, I think the sport should be there's abolition of professional sports. The attack on football seems similar to the attack on boxing. You know, going back to that particular night, I believe that fight was at the Astrodome, and it was actually a primetime heavyweight broadcast on ABC. And it was such a one-sided fight. Uh, you know, Howard was kind of at the tail end of his really of his prime at ABC. And my belief is that he had enough of boxing, that he saw where this was going, and he just didn't want to call it anymore, but he wanted to make a statement. And it was right around that era, and there was a particular fight that was on ABC, and I think it might have been the same year. Um, it was a fight on CBS between Ray Boom Boom Mancini and Dooku Kim from South Korea. I remember watching it as a young man in uh, Valencia, California. It was a brutal back-and-forth fight. And Dooku Kim ended up dying afterwards. And that fight went, I believe, to the 13th or 14th round. Right around that time, it was when the sanctioning body started saying, you know what, let's make this game a little bit safer. So the transition began, Jason, at that point from going from 15-round championship fights to 12-round fights. Now, with that said, we still have fatalities. And this is my underlying message here. And I've spoken to people in boxing about this. And it's much like football. If you want to make those two particular sports safe, where nobody ever gets hurt and there's certainly no fatalities, there's only one way to do it. Abolish the games completely. So it's not realistic. And so, I, I look, I'm hearing a lot of alarming things about the sport of football. But let's be honest about this. As harsh as this sounds, the collision between T. Higgins and um, that young man, DeMar Hamlin, 
that is fighting for his life looked like a garden variety average NFL hit. It was nothing unusual. And to now paint that particular play as a reason why football needs to be changed, abolished, or why the players should be paid more, um, I just find that to be a little bit dishonest. It's completely dishonest. It's it's. What blows me away is how the former players have been seduced by this whole movement. And, and, and the seduction really is, this is what it you have to say about football to be popular over social media. Yeah. I know I keep beating that drum that social media and Twitter is in control of all the talking heads on TV, everybody in the media. If you're a pundit, you live by Twitter likes and retweets. And so th- that helps me transition into this, the second part of, of this conversation about how ESPN, I thought, completely botched the coverage of DeMar Hamlin last night. Th- they, in my view, 30 minutes into this deal, I think the guy went down around 9 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time and they didn't go off the air and cut away until 10.30. After about 20, 30 minutes, they should have cut to other programming and provided us a ticker at the, mm-hmm. at the bottom of the screen with updates. But they stayed with it, and they put all these broadcasters, from Susie Colbert to Adam Schefter to Booger McFarlane to even Ryan Clark, who I'm very critical of today, they put them all in a bad situation and none of them, Lisa Salters, throw her in there, Joe Buckshway, none of them had anything enlightening to say after the first or second lap through. They just kept repeating themselves yeah. because ESPN is not equipped to handle a serious story in real time. And, and, and they're so addicted to and concerned about Twitter, everyone's afraid to have a real discussion I thought the coverage last night was horrendous. You know, not to make light of this situation, but I, I'm with you. I thought it became very repetitive after about 20 minutes. And it reminded me of that famous Saturday Night Live skit where they where they assassinated Buckwheat. It was played by uh, Eddie Murphy, and they did their own nightline. And for 20 minutes, that whole skit was, if you haven't known, Buckwheat got shot. And it became like the running joke because they, they kept repeating that news every two minutes. And there came a point where I thought it was actually unfair to all the broadcasters at ESPN. Look, they're not doctors. They're not soothsayers. They're not medical professionals. They're not even on the field outside of Lisa Salters. Now, here's what I found interesting. I wanted to get a different perspective on this story. So I went over to NFL Network. Now, their business is the National Football League 24-7, 365. And generally, uh, after the Monday night game, they have another post-game show that dovetails from the people that want to get more coverage after ESPN. It was interesting, Jason, after we talked, when I turned on it, they had they were running reruns of A Football Life, the documentary anthology series. And I said, wow. So even after they ran one after the conclusion of the games, uh, if it would have played out at around 9 o'clock to 9.15, they then went to another Football Life episode. So I thought that was really interesting. And you know, it's, you talk about the ESPN coverage, Jason. Dominic Foxworth went on this rant today about this is why we do it. For And, and this is the thing where I, w- I want to push back, and I don't want to be insensitive to DeMar Hanlon or anyone else that plays the game of football. 
because I've said this before and I'll say it again. Even in this era where the game is not as violent, it takes a special brand of human being to get out there. Very few able to make a living at that top level. And I hear this a lot in boxing, but when the athletes themselves say, we do this for your entertainment, almost to guilt the fans for the very support that gets them paid very well, I want to push back and say this. You don't do this for our entertainment. You do this as a job. That is the difference between an occupation and a vocation. And there was nobody after college, if you were good enough, that was forced to go to the combine, that was forced to go to the draft process and then take the money. If you really felt that way, if Dominic Foxworth or anyone else, you could have earned your degree from your university and decided, you know what, I've got everything out of football and I'm not going to do this. But when they say we do this for your entertainment, it's simply not true. You play because it is your job and you're good at it. You deserve every bit of money. But when you start guilting the fan base, I have a real issue with that. Jason, when you call a plumber or a carpenter to do a job, you really don't care if they do it out of the love or the passion they have for their craft. No, that's how they make a living. And guess what? You pay them to do the job. That is not to say that we should not be sensitive to anyone that gets maimed out there or injured in any way. I want to make that clear. But there are other vocations in life, whether it's being a someone that's involved in the military, where there's certainly a lot of bloodshed, uh, climbing up telephone poles, being a construction worker where you're 100 feet up in the air, 100 stories up on beams, a police officer, a firefighter. They all love their jobs, but they do it for one reason. It is their job. It's how they support their family. And again, I'm going to say it one more time. That is the difference between an occupation and an avocation. Steve, why the, the opinion you just expressed, Dominique Foxworth, and we played the full clip here earlier uh, with TJ Moe, but, but why isn't anybody on the get up desk, why isn't Mike Greenberg pushing back? and adding that context and perspective. Well, no, I'm being dead serious. Well, no one on that desk can say, hey man, I hear you, but what about X, Y, and Z? Well, isn't that healthy, normal conversation? If I say something stupid, yeah. Steve, Steve, if I, if I came on and started the show saying, man, I weigh 190 pounds, let me tell you how I did it, and let me tell you how good I felt, I'm 190 pounds, and I brought you on to talk about it. Hey, Steve, what do you think about my weight loss? I weigh 190 pounds. You would say, hey, Jay, I don't think you're 190 pounds, bro. You've, you've lost a little weight, but you're not 190. And I wouldn't be offended by that. That, that wouldn't be insensitive. That's, that's how people that respect each other, that's how they communicate and talk. The issue is very simple. Guys like Mike Greenberg, if they push back, they are deathly afraid of two things. Number one, their own network would say, oh, we can't take that stance. Trust me, especially at that network. Okay, there are talking points and there are approved messages that would not be on the script. Number two, many of these talking heads, this is where they're very dishonest. They hold back a lot. They pull their punches because they don't want to be that clip. They don't want to go viral of being on quote unquote, the wrong side of history. But again, it's very simple. 
when you become a professional athlete, which is a privilege that is earned, it is not a right, okay? It's a privilege that you earn because you're good enough. You are not necessarily an entertainer. You're a player and you're a performer, but you are in the entertainment business. I think it is completely unfair to ask fans who basically pay your salary with the interest that they have to then pull back and care about you as a person. I mean, within due reason, it's like, let's be very honest. If you had clogged toilets in your home and your plumber did a terrible job, Jason, I'm sure you kind of care that the plumber doesn't have a divorce, that he doesn't get run over by a bus, but guess what? You hired him to do a job, which is to unclog your toilet. I, I just, again, it, it's, it, but I, I'll go back to the original question that you asked. These guys are afraid of the difficult conversation. They call it embrace debate. They, they say that they're, they're <laughs> no, no, that's what literally no. th this is what sports sports fans debate and argue. That's the whole fun of being a sport. It, it's ESPN has removed itself from what the tradition of sports fans. We argue. We disagree th that that. What are they doing? They are pandering. And, you know, Dominic Foxworth has made a living. I think he does a real subtle job of really exploiting and using white guilt. Because it's just like, oh, you white folks don't understand what we go through. Look, Dominic, you're good enough to play in the National Football League, but no one ever forced you to play football. And that's the thing that I, and I, I look, I get into trouble because I tell fighters sometimes like, hey, guys, if you don't like the sport and you think it's harsh, you don't have to do this. And I, it, it's just amazing to me that somehow now that this is an indictment on fans, that the, on the very people that drive the popularity of the league. And by the way, based on social media and the behavior of the Cincinnati Bengals fans, the overwhelming majority they understood what was going on, and it's not like they were chanting in that Bad News Bear sequel, let them play. I actually think most people showed a lot of restraint and said, you know what, this is such an unusual situation, and there's no precedent for this. We are okay with them calling the game. My view was, Jason, after about a half hour, just looking at the players' reactions, and specifically Stephon Diggs and the glazed look over Josh Allen, I said, you know what, um, I don't think these guys are going to play the rest of the night, and I don't blame them. But uh, to, I just, again, I am just wholly against the guilt trip being laid on the fans of football from talking heads like Dominic Foxworth. But, but, but you, I'm going to go back to ESPN because their motto used to be or still is something about serving sports fans anytime, anywhere. That, that's their motto. They... They're letting athletes and broadcasters dump on fans constantly. Constantly. Yeah. The fan's the bad guy. If Russell Westbrook picks a fight with a fan, if anything, any dispute, oh, my God, someone yelled something at Draymond Green, Draymond Green can get the fan tossed out of the game. This whole narrative that the athletes and the media are now aligned against the fans is offensive to me. I can't believe sports fans tolerate it. It's, it's, 
and, and maybe they're unworthy of respect because they, they soak it up. I see people caping up for these guys and pretend they wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. They hate your guts. They, I, they don't I, make a secret of it. Jason, I, I wonder, these same people that are so outraged over the fans' interest in the sport um, and over what took place last night, do they have the same outrage when a coal mine blows up and 15 coal miners trying to earn an honest living die, and they the next day that shift begins, business as usual? Do you have the same respect when a police officer or any first responder like a firefighter or para, uh, paramedic goes into a burning building to save lives, loses theirs? Do they have the same amount of outrage and umbrage with the public. I just find it, again, our priorities as a society are completely out of whack. I wanna switch up a little bit, <laughs> just cause I like to react to what the media is doing. And, and Skip Bayless, you know, put out a tweet last night. I can't find anything wrong with the tweet. Des Bryant and a gang of athletes turned it into the biggest thing going on on Twitter. Things got like 130 million views over Twitter. It, 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 it's a harmless tweet where he's basically like, this game's important, but it's all irrelevant now because, uh, you know, of DeMar, DeMar Hamlin's injury. And somehow Skip Bayless is the worst person in the world. How dare he say this game's important? How dare he have dual thoughts that it's terrible what happened tomorrow, this game's important? And, and I want to play the clip of, of because of this Twitter lynch mob that went after him. He opened his show today with an apology for his harmless, meaningless tweet. And Shannon Sharp has refused to come on the air with him, trying to embarrass Skip. I gotta get your take on this. Let's watch the clip. Jen, allow me to say up front that I apologize for what we're going to set out to do here today if it offends anyone, because we're, we're going to try to do the show pretty much as we usually do the show, but I'll admit up front, I'm still shook up by what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin. In fact, I'm still wrecked. In fact, I'm not sure I'm capable of doing this show today. But after barely sleeping on it, I decided to give it a try. Maybe I'll fail, maybe we will fail, but we're going to try. We wrestled through much of the night whether to even do a show today because it felt like in our minds we almost can't win with this because the last thing we want to try to do is come off as insensitive to what this young man is going through in a life or death situation. The last thing we want to do is offend anyone by trying to do what we always do, which is talk about sports. As this show goes on, we're going to try to talk about a little bit of sports, but we're going to continue to talk about what happened to this young man last night and try to sort back through it with help from you and the audience. And we ask you now 
If you'd like to tweet us your emotions of the night and of this morning about what happened to DeMar Hamlin, please do so. You can tweet us at at undisputed, at undisputed, and I will be sharing some of your tweets and your emotions as we share our experience of last night through this very difficult morning for all of us. Obviously, my partner, Shannon Sharp, is not here today. I look forward to seeing him tomorrow. <clears throat> Look, <sighs> I, 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 don't, I mean, the, he said so much that was irritating or just, but we're, we're acting like the president was shot and killed last night and that everybody in America woke up barely able to get out of the bed. And, and I feel terrible for what happened to DeMar Hamlin. I, 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 I had a cousin get shot and killed, or not tasered and killed, in the rain in 2012 by sheriffs in Indianapolis. That was a horrible tragedy for me and my family. I don't think it was a horrible tragedy for Steve Kim or most of America. I'm sure people felt sorry for us, who were people that learned it and knew they were involved, but, but, but this whole thing, like that a kid that 99% of America before last night didn't even know his name. I follow football. He was a six-round pick. Yeah. I, I didn't know he was a starting safety or even a player for the Buffalo Bills. And it was sad what happened. I was watching the game, saw it happen. But, but, but to act like all of America is now shaken to its core is a joke. It's dishonest. It, it's It's... Skip, to me, has nothing to apologize for. His tweet was not inappropriate. And what Shannon Sharp has done by not refusing to come on the show and trying to further embarrass Skip Bayless, mm. this is all orchestra, this is all clout chasing. This is all, how can I benefit from the tragedy that happened to DeMar Hamlin? This is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for everybody involved. Skip Bayless. Shannon Sharp, and the people that went after Skip Bayless for a harmless tweet. Jason, let, let me break this down. As it relates to Skip, I, I think you can make an argument. He didn't read the room. Maybe the timing of the tweet could be deemed insensitive. But you're right. You actually read the tweet. He brings out a real issue, though. This was a pivotal game. The league is a business. But he also said, wait, all of that right now is irrelevant. But once you get placed in the Outrage Olympics, there's no getting out of it. But I have to be honest, uh, just watching Skip right there, are you more shook up by what happened to DeMar Hamlin or the vitriol that was directed at you on Twitter? I just cannot help but think which really is it. Also, as it relates to Shannon Sharp, I just, again, my opinion there was probably a lot of peer pressure from athlete to athlete, whether it's current players, former players, and his teammates, to not go on that show. And so he had to be in solidarity with everyone that wanted to basically go after his partner. But here's what I really believe. Shannon, you were in the arena. You were a football gladiator. So if you have a vehement disagreement with your partner, I think he had a responsibility to give a football player's point of view of skip. This is why you are completely out of line. 
and you are wrong and I'm going to tell you and then let's just exchange ideas. But to just boycott his own show, I, again, completely disagree with that course of action. Let me let me defend Shannon Sharp in that regard. And I, I don't have inside information. I'm just basing it off my life experience, media experience, having worked at Fox Sports. I suspect Shannon Sharp wanted to go on that show last night. Mm. But I suspect he wanted to go on that show I'm, this morning. I suspect he wanted to go on that show and have it out and embarrass Skip Bayless. And I think smarter people at Fox Sports said, nah, that ain't happening. You're not gonna Mm. go on the show to try to destroy Skip Bayless for a tweet that was harmless. They're not going to allow him to fake the same kind of outrage that's being faked towards Skip Bayless on social media. I think, not on inside information, but just me reading the room, they told Shannon, stay at home. Stay out of this. Mm. If, if all you want to bring to the table is to try to come in here and take out Skip Bayless and, and participate in this faux outrage machine, we're not doing it. I think it was the smart and right call. Sh- Shannon gets to benefit. He gets to be a hero over Twitter, and he gets all that solidarity. And he, All of this is a makeup still from Kyrie Irving. Shannon Sharp has been trying to dig himself out of the Kyrie Irving hole that he dug for himself with black Twitter, and he's using Skip Bayless. These people are phony. These people don't look out for each other. These people, and what I mean by these people, I'm talking about the people you're seeing on television. Maria Taylor, any of them. Remember Maria Taylor? She's so outraged about George Floyd and Drew Brees and all that. She don't give a damn about George Floyd. None of them do. It's all, what can I get out? How can this benefit elevate me? How can I leverage this in my contract negotiations? Shannon Sharp, he's trying to leverage this, in my view, from way on the outside to improving his position at Fox Sports, perhaps trying to force Shannon, uh, Skip Bayless out, perhaps trying to elevate himself so he can go independent and get, they don't like each other. Skip nor Shannon, like they don't like or respect each other. They wouldn't do the things that they're doing. We, we played the, a few weeks ago when we were yeah. doing the show before the break, we played the dispute between them. These, these television people are some of the phoniest, if not the phoniest people on the planet. There's nothing real coming from virtually any of them. They're all performing for the Twitter stage. That's what I think you're looking at. Yeah, and they're not the only ones though, Jason. All these fans and media members that are so outraged and and I'm not questioning their concern or their sincerity for DeMar Hamlin. I wanna make that clear. We all care. We're all hoping that young man who seems to be doing a lot of great things in his community Uh, makes it through and leaves a productive life with or without football. But for those who are so disgusted by the evils and the vicious, violent nature of football, will you not be watching these upcoming games the next month and a half? Will you boycott the Super Bowl? Will you not watch the playoff? Or will it be just as business as usual? 
I, and that's like, some of the things that I'm reading. And I'm like, you know, we all understand what we're watching. Like someone that watches boxing and has made it a part of my life, both professionally and personally, I know what I'm watching and I know the risk. I've been there when fighters have had fatalities. I've had to cover it up close. And unfortunately, the business and the show moves forward. And that doesn't make it cruel in my view. It makes it the world. It makes it reality. Because I'm gonna go back to this. When a first responder, whether it's a police officer or a firefighter dies in the line of duty protecting us, they don't get to take a day off. There's a reality that when your shift starts, you have to be there for your brothers and you have to be there for the public. Now again, football is only a game. But if you're so disgusted by what is only quote unquote just a game, um, will you stop watching it? Will you boycott the National Football League? I seriously doubt it. I, I want to stay there with your point about this being just a business because last night, and I, I think I, I've said it all day, I think I've said it to you, they should have cut away from this 20, 30 minutes in. Yeah. Agreed. But I think they made a business decision. This is yes. 1,000% speculation on my part. I think they made a business decision. It's week 17. There's only one week left in the season. The NFL may not make up this game. We, we don't want to have to do make goods on these advertising dollars that we've accepted for this Monday Night Football broadcast. And so we're going to pretend yeah. like there's a chance this game's going to continue for the next hour and a half. And, Steve, the thing that I noticed was – they were jamming in as many commercial breaks as yeah. they possibly could. They'd do short three-minute segments, take another break, go to commercial, and it was just boom, boom. Everything was real quick and jamming in as many commercials as possible. And so I felt like the NFL and ESPN made a business decision. We're going to milk this. We're not going to wow. go away from it because we may not reschedule this game. And... We want to be able to argue to advertisers, even though there was no game. We held on, let's say if there were 10 million people watching, we held on to 8 million of those viewers with the carrot. Hey, this game may come back. This game may come back. And we jammed all these commercials into the first hour. Because I think it was about an hour after he went yes. down that they finally canceled the game. And hour I think they tried minutes. to jam in as, mi yeah. Yeah, as many commercials Jason. as they could in that hour and five minutes. I think it was a business decision. Jason, there's an old line from one of my favorite football movies that really pulled the veil off of what professional sports is. North Dallas 40, based on the book by Peter Gent, former Dallas Cowboys tight end. And one of my favorite lines of any movie I've ever seen from John Mutuzek after they lose the big game. And he's screaming at this coach. They're going back and forth. He goes, every time I call it a game, you call it a business. Every time you call it, I call it a business, you say it's just a game. And you're right. At that point, what that block of time became was not a football game, it's programming. I mean, look at when you do your TV guide or your cable guide or your satellite thing. It says NFL Monday Night Football, and it starts from 5.15 Pacific, and it basically ends till about, what, 8.30. It's a block of time. And you're right, there was no real updates to give after the first 10 minutes. But they kept cutting back and forth to the studio, to Lisa Salters, to commercials. So again, that became programming, and, and that's what it is. And so you're right. The most cynical view of this 
is that they wanted everyone to continue to rubberneck. It's like when you see an 18-car pileup on the other side of the freeway, just naturally, human nature will tell us, as you see all the brake lights in front of you, that you're all going to slow down and we're going to see what is happening on the other side of the highway. Unfortunately, that's what we are. We've been programmed to do this. And you know what? Uh, I can't be a, a hypocrite and say I didn't turn away. I wanted the updates and I found it to be, I don't want to say compelling, but I was like, I felt like, why? Wow, I kind of want to get the updates here and see what happens. Uh, all the way up until Scott Van Pelt Sports Center, Jason, I was tuned in. I'll admit it. It's a gimmick. And it, it was that game could have could have been it could have been called 10 minutes after the deal happened. Yes. When, when you look around and players are crying on the field, they're performing CPR on the player, you know they're not playing that game. There's going to be no focus from either team. Additional injuries would happen if they had tried to put them back. It would have been such a horrible look. You knew that game. They held everyone's attention, held that carrot out there. We may restart this game, got their commercials in, then called the game, then did an additional 30 minutes. They did business as usual. Yeah. Finally, Steve. Let's uh, end on this note. What should they do with this game? Should they reschedule it? Should they play the Bills-Bengals game? Jason, before I got on here, I saw an update, and I think I sent you the tweet from Adam Schefter. I believe a decision has been made. They're not going to resume the game this week. And so I thought the most natural thing to do, again, but they're playing towards optics, and I don't even blame them, is to resume the game on Wednesday and then make both of those teams play on a Monday night. Because, again, again, I don't want to be callous about this, but this has a bearing on the NFL playoffs and its seedings. I don't know what they're going to do outside of that. I am getting the sense, and I wouldn't disagree with it, if both teams agree – just call it a tie and let the ramifications be in terms of the standings. Adam Schefter says they're not resuming this week. Right. They'll play it when? He hasn't said that when either. Would they... been no... I sent you the tweet, so I'm just telling you. I, I, this I don't is have so my phone with me. Read the tweet to me. Yeah, okay, so this is from Adam Schefter, and this was about 20 minutes ago. So let me punch this up here. This is riveting TV, by the way. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Got to get you on board here. I can find it myself. I can find it myself. I'll find it before. I shouldn't have asked you to do that. That's on me. Adam Schefter says, memo the commission. No, that's one hour ago. Bills Bengals will not be resumed this yeah. week. NFL right. update on Bills Bengals game and we the NFL continues to be in regular contact with medical team caring for Demar Hamlin. Also after speaking with both teams, the NFL PA leadership, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell informed the clubs today, Bills game will not be resumed this week. The NFL has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. The league has not made any changes to the week 18 schedule. We will continue to provide additional information to become a So they're going to call this game a tie, or they're just yes. these guys will play a 16-game schedule. And that's the right thing to do. I, that was probably my first tweet or second tweet about this whole situation. Would you be upset if they called it a tie? And, you know, I think no, 
people were like, yeah, I got no problem with that. And then there were other people who like, no, they should play the, the game tomorrow or at some point. But I don't think they should resume the game. I don't either. I don't know how logistically you can. And the one thing that I thought of early on is it was very evident that DeMar Hamlin was not going to be able to rise to his feet and walk off the field. And this was much different than just a blown-out ACL. For me, Jason, this was very reminiscent of a game that I saw on TV back when the Rams, before they moved to St. Louis in 1991, late in the season, played the Detroit Lions in the Silverdome. And I remember after a play, there was a lineman by the name of Mike Utley. It was a really good player out of Washington State. And I remember watching the game, and all of a sudden, Utley is laid out and he's not moving. And that was the game that was kind of famous in Detroit sports annals because um, as he left the field, he gave a thumbs up, and it became a rallying cry for that team that ended up making the NFC Championship game. Um, but his life was altered forever. That's the closest thing I've ever seen on a football field. Now, the other um, event that it really reminded me of, especially as someone that grew up in Southern California, Jason, in 1989 and 90, Loyola Marymount basketball, with that exciting style of Paul Westhead, was a great um, thing for L.A. sports. We love that team. And when Hank Gathers, on a Sunday night, I think during the conference tournament, went down with heart issues, I, I just remember the Paul and the depression of our city and our region as we found out that Hank Gathers had passed away. Those are the two things that came to mind immediately last night. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, Hank Gathers. There's a lot of examples of, of guys collapsing in practice. Where Hank Gathers collapsing in a game is rare. We went all the way back to 1920. Ray Chapman struck with a baseball in the head, died 12 hours later. Uh, Steve? Thank you, as always. Uh, great job. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow or Thursday at the latest. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be free.